0: Once again, to the Perimeter Church podcast, have you ever had someone tell you that God told them to tell you something on his behalf? What if it contradicts with your own conviction of what God would have you to do? Figuring out which voice is real can be difficult. Lead teacher Randy Pope continues the series Hearing God in a Noisy World with the second part of this message entitled Counterfeit Voices which covers 1 Kings chapter 13 verses 1 through 25. Thank you for joining us today. It was January 4,
1: 1987 that uh, a noted Christian leader Evangelist uh, put out a uh, a declaration that God had spoken to him, and that the supporters of his ministry should give eight million dollars. If not, God was going to take him home, take his life. There's some of you old enough to remember those days, and you know that when that happened, it was a great embarrassment to the church at large. It was a discredit to the profession that I carry. Now, whether Oral Roberts at that time actually heard something in his mind that was uh, the voice of God or uh, whether he knew that was not the case, who knows? It doesn't matter. But I'll say this. If it was a leading that he felt he had heard from God and God had said that, then we would know now that that was what we call a counterfeit voice. So we're in three weeks within a larger series, the series Hearing God in a Noisy World. These three weeks, last week, this and next, we're talking about counterfeit voices. And there are numerous counterfeit voices. We began with two this last week. The two uh, were very subjective voices. Uh, we talked about, number one, personal desires, number one, and then a piece; number two, peace of mind, Uh, These are two very subjective voices. We walk through them. What does it mean uh, as we deal with these things? Uh, We're using a text in 1 Kings chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. 1 Kings chapter 13. We see these two subjective voices uh, through the text, and we're going to hear now four other voices, two this week, two next week, that are much more objective voices, uh, things that are Very easy to identify and understand. It's not just a subjective feeling. And we need to understand, how do we know when we're hearing a counterfeit voice? Here's the story in 1 Kings 13. We'll read part of it, but let me just tell you the background of the story. You're new with us? For sure, you need to hear this. First, there is a man of God. He's not identified by name, but a man of God who is told of the Lord that he should go To Bethel, which is one of two cities that Jeroboam, the king of the northern tribes, as we know them of Israel, he was, by the way, from Judah, the southern tribe, and he was to go and he was to prophesy and to bring judgment upon what Jeremiah was, a Jeroboam was doing at this time. What he had done is he had established two cities. Uh, the first uh, and second being uh, Bethel and Dan, and then he built his own sanctuaries there, and he was at this time inaugurating the sanctuary in Bethel. He had formed his own priesthood, all of this an abomination to God, totally against the will of God. He would come up with his own priest, he had everything going, and now he is going to inaugurate this new sanctuary. As he is doing so, Here arrives the man of God. The man of God comes into his presence. In the midst of everything going on, he prophesies. And when he does, Jeroboam reaches out his hand in an effort to grab him. When he does so, his hand withers. God brought judgment upon Jeroboam at that time. His hand withers, and the prophet, as we would know him, the man of God, He prayed on behalf of Jeroboam that his hand would be healed, and God restored his hand. So Jeroboam says, hey, I want you to have a meal with me. You come and stay. Obviously, he'd seen the work of God. He'd gotten his attention pretty good. Who knows his intentions and motives and so forth? But he says, would you come and you have a meal with me? Come eat and drink. He says, I can't do that. God's told me not to eat nor drink while in Bethel. So I can't do that. And he ends up leaving. Well, the next episode comes up. And the next episode has to do with some sons of a false prophet. And these sons witness what takes place, go to their father, the false prophet, and say, Hey, Dad, this is what we saw. And he explains everything. And he says, Where? Where did he go? Which way did he go? So he saddles up and he follows. And he finds the man of God probably resting he stopped and he encounters him and he says uh, i need to tell you you need to come and have a meal with me come back with me i am a prophet of god he's lying when he says it but he says i am a prophet of god and he says god told me in a vision that i was supposed to come to you and invite you back to Bethel or to uh, bethel to eat with me now he's lying when he does it i want to pick up in scripture in the text We'll come to verse verse uh, number 16. That's it, 16. And this is how it reads. He said, I cannot return with you nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. Here's the word. You shall eat no bread nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. He said to him, I also am a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now the end of the story is the prophecy comes true that the false prophet prophesies, which is another question we need to address. Wait, did God speak through the false prophet? He did and so what he prophesied came true and on the way back he gets devoured by a lion and he dies now having read that last week and talked about it for a few minutes and the text kind of breaking it down i also read to you a text out of first john chapter 4 verse 1 and i want us to look at that one more time it says beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god because many false prophets Have gone out into the world. And so here is a great admonition to all of us to test the spirits. I mean, what is really of God and what is not? Obviously, the man of God failed in this area. He didn't test the spirits well, he violated the very word of God which had come to him. And we've looked at personal desire and peace of mind, and I encourage you, if you've uh, missed the previous messages on this, that you would uh, get the podcast. And uh, listen to that. Now we're going to be looking at the next four over this week and next week. And we're going to start now with number three of the counterfeit voices, which is misguided friends. Or in this particular text, a misguided acquaintance. Now we know this was a prophet. But I want you to understand that when Paul warns in Ephesians 5, let no one deceive you with empty words... He's basically saying the same thing. Be careful the prophets that come speaking. Now, a prophet does not have to be a religious leader. A prophet does not have to declare himself as a prophet to be a false prophet. People come saying that this is true and this is of of truth and it's right and so forth. And when they do that and it's against the word of God, you've got a false prophecy. It's not accurate. So he says, test those spirits well. This is where the man of God erred, obviously. Now, the Bible is full of different examples of where we've had misguided friends or acquaintances. If I ask you what comes to your mind in all of Scripture, probably most that are familiar with the Bible would say, well, what about old Job? And that's a good illustration. Job had his friends. They were very misguided. And they said, this is what God would say, and this is what you should understand about this truth. This is what you've had, and gives them all kind of wrong information. We have to be very, very careful. It's not uncommon, as I mentioned last week, it's not uncommon when someone has a challenging marriage that some very caring Christian friend will come, and as a Christian, Look at their situation and declare, you know, God does not want you to experience unhappiness. And this marriage is making you unhappy, and you know that. And I think you have right to get out of it because this is a bad marriage. There are bad marriages that have biblical grounds for divorce. There are bad marriages that don't have biblical grounds for divorce. But many a Christian will come and declare, This is what would be right. I know God would say, and they declare, You should be able to get out of this marriage. Be so very, very, very careful. I shared last week of Acts 20. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how Paul knew he was to go into Jerusalem, but he said, And I go as the will of God. Knowing that bonds and affliction await me. And indeed they did. If God wanted Paul to be happy. I would think he would probably find a greater happiness without bonds and affliction than with bonds and affliction. Oh we can talk about joy. But let me tell you. You know what we're talking about. We say what makes you happy. There's nobody here that says I hope I can be put in bonds. I hope I can experience affliction. People all the time come to me and say, pray because I'm in affliction now. Pray for me that I can be delivered. Nobody wants that. But it was God's will to lead them right into that place. Or what about people who have disabilities that God has chosen not to heal? He can heal. He could heal everybody. He doesn't. Well, is that not the will of God? Of course, God has a will that includes experiences and circumstances that are not going to in themselves make us happy. I was at a pastor's conference and speaking. There were a number of seminars being taught and uh, one of the seminars was entitled something like this. What if God gave you your marriage to make you holy instead of making you happy? That could be, biblically speaking, maybe there is. Maybe there is a circumstance in your life and my life where God says, I know this is not making you happy, but it's making you holy, which is ultimately going to give you blessedness, which is happiness. Well, certainly we have to be very, very careful because many are going to simply logic and they're going to say, I thank God, and then they'll state their statement. Be so very, very, very careful. What about prophecy? There's an interesting subject matter among Christians as they talk. Is there a gift of prophecy today? There are godly, Bible-believing, scholarly people who are going to take both sides of that, of that debate. They're going to say the gift no longer exists. Others say it still continues today. If you ask my opinion, which could be wrong, I say the gift of prophecy is still today. It's a very valid gift. I would predict there are quite a number of people here who have a giftedness to prophecy. Now, we can do things that are not gifts. All of us can have a prophecy of sort, as I'll define it in a minute. But there's some that are gifted, and that's going to be a role they're going to play in the church to be used in such a way and be identified to say, I want to go to that person and ask. I want their counsel. I want their leadership, what they might say. I like the way that Wayne Grudem defines prophecy for today. He says that's the speaking of mere human words to report something God has brought to mind. Does God bring things to mind? I think so. I was talking to someone yesterday. They shared three different stories in their devotional time over the recent past, that God has literally weighed upon their heart, no voice out of the, out of the skies, that says, you should call so-and-so right now. And all three occasions brought the most amazing, you would say, there is no way that could have ever happened outside God having prompted to call at that moment. Well, sure we think God brings things to mind and declaring what he brings to mind. But I want you to make this distinction to understand that when it does happen, these three realities to a real prophecy. Number one, they are to be evaluated by qualified leaders. 1 Corinthians 14.32 says, And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. The evaluation of prophets. Is this really of God or is it not? So it's not, oh, it's, it's a done deal because this person said it, that God told me? No. Subject to qualified leaders. Number two, they must never be viewed as God's word. There's never an infallible word as a prophecy. We know that fairly clearly. First Corinthians 13, verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. And when it says in part, it means without perfection. It's not going to be a perfect. We don't know everything perfectly. We don't prophesy perfectly. Doesn't mean that God doesn't speak to us and prompt us by bringing to our mind things that we need to declare to other people and share. This third, very very important, they are never to be used to direct other people. If you look at 1 Corinthians eleven or fourteen, verse three, it says. But one who prophesies speaks to men, and it says, for edification and exhortation and consolation. I'm going to suggest those, yes, but not for direction. In Acts uh, 21, in the fourth verse, we read uh, an interesting episode. It says, after looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. All right, and many of you know the story. Here they come and say, Hey, Paul, this is what the Lord says. You know, there's going to be problems and affliction waiting you there, so you shouldn't, you shouldn't go in there. Paul knew that. Did Paul go or did he not? He went. Yeah, he went. No evidence, no indication that he was being disobedient. In fact, the indication would be he went because he was obedient. Did the prophecy come true? sure it did bonds and affliction they were waiting and just as they they had said this is what's going to happen it happened but he in no way decided that I'm not going to go because you have warned me that I shouldn't go no it in fact it came true the point is if someone comes to me with saying this is what the Lord says And says you should or shouldn't do this You shouldn't go there And the Lord told me I don't listen to that I'll take it as advice or counsel of a human But not assuming that God has spoken to that person at all Now when I have a sense I should or shouldn't go somewhere And I sense the Lord is prompting me I want to listen very carefully Among other things I want to take that into full advice That may be the Lord speaking I want to test and find out Many of you were here the week I told the story of going into Iraq, and when one of the elders, after we had deliberated, called me and said, uh, uh, The Lord has uh, spoken to me. I think that it, it, it's not the best thing, the right thing to, to go into Iraq. But you remember the story. I went on to Iraq, and everything was fine, and I, I, I didn't think that was to be a valid thing to determine whether I went in or not. I like the way Blaine Smith puts it, and I think he's probably accurate, at least from my knowledge he puts it this way there's no statement in the new testament to the effect that we should look on prophecy as a possible source of guidance and i tend to believe that is true can i be wrong there absolutely study discern but important at least have some understanding of this idea of prophecy let's look at one other of the counterfeit voices it's called open doors we're all familiar with that term probably Uh, the Lord opened the door and I knew it was the right thing to do the Lord shut the door I knew it was not the right thing to do it's a very valid way of God communicating to us however in doing so I want to be very careful first of all let's show that it is in scripture first Corinthians chapter 16 starting verse 7 it says for I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits, but I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective service is open to me, and there are many adversaries. So apparently he looked at an open door and thought, well, this is positive, and, you know, look what he's done. Let's, let's walk through it. Second Corinthians chapter 2 in the, in the 12th uh, verse, it says, Now when I came to Troas... For the gospel of Christ, and when the door was opened for me in the Lord, and he continues on, but again, talking about an open door. He saw an open door, and he passed through it. And so we don't want to forget the importance of such. However, I'm going to suggest that when you think about open doors, use that more for confirming the will of God than for determining the will of God. As one person has put it, many an open door leads to an empty elevator shaft. (laughs) Just because the door is open doesn't mean we should walk through it, right? So we've got to be very, very careful. Here's where the man of God perhaps got into trouble. Well man look at the open door I mean it looks as if my goodness These boys happen to overhear everything They go back their father's a prophet Tell him and he says oh I'm supposed to come follow you And he finds me of all the places He finds me and he invites me back He tells me there's a vision he's heard from the Lord This is what God told him Man look at all the open doors Surely this is the right thing to do It led to his downfall So we have to be very very careful With open doors You heard the story of the a man who was always watching his TV and his wife always complaining, saying, you need to turn that thing off. God didn't want you watching TV all the time. You, you need to get get that thing turned off, turn off, turn off. And he's always watching TV and then the TV breaks. And she comes to him and says, I told you, God didn't want you watching that TV. He <laughs> said, God just told me we need a new TV. <laughs> so you can, you can find it any way you want it, obviously. So you got to be careful not to... Discount it, but don't listen too carefully. Now what about fleecing? Let's talk about fleecing and casting lots. In the Scriptures you have the story, uh, uh, particularly the story of Gideon with the Midianites. And here Gideon has uh, been told of God to go pursue the Midianites and small army, and he says, man, this doesn't look very feasible. Are you sure? Yes, go. And he says, Lord, would would you give me a sign? And uh, so here he takes the lamb's fleece And lays it out And both ways Well if the ground has dew And the fleece doesn't And vice versa Then that'll be, my, that'll be my sign And sure enough it was the case And he knew to go And from that time We've got the term fleece That you throw out a fleece What about casting lots? You have in the Old Testament The example in Proverbs 16.33 it says the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So they're not saying that the, the lot is, is bad and it's basically rolling the dice, you know, and let's see what it says. And if it says this, then we do it. If it says that, then we don't. The New Testament you have in Luke 1, uh, Zacharias, who's assigned temple duty based on the casting of lots, or in, in fact, the successor of Judas is literally chosen by the casting of lots. However, after Pentecost, you don't see either being used in determining the will of God. There's no illustration in Scripture, uh, which is going to suggest that now God has got His Spirit living within us, and He will prompt us through His Spirit. We don't need the casting of lots or fleecing, as it would be called. Now, when it leaves this question, well... What is the difference between fleecing and an open door? Isn't fleecing in a t- type of open door? Fleecing would be having a sign with no relevance to the issue at hand. For instance, let's say um, let's say one of you ladies uh, your budget is you know broken, You're, you don't have enough money, you know that, you want to be a good steward of your money, and But oh my, you just want a new dress so badly. And do I spend the money? I probably shouldn't, but so finally you say, Okay, Lord, here's the deal. I'm gonna drive up to the store, and if there's a parking spot right in front, (laughs) I get the dress. If there's no parking spot, you're telling me not to get the dress, not even related. Of course, all you got to do then is just get there a little before the store opens, and there's probably a parking lot and a parking spot. So obviously, that's that's a fleece. That's not that's not what you're looking for. Versus, let's say you're buying a home, and as you're trying to decide, okay, we've got this budget, and here's a home that we really think is the right place. It's, everything seems to be right, except the price is a little too high. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take it down to the price that we said was our bottom line. And you know what? If they come down to that, then we're going to say this is right. If they don't, then we know it's not the right. We're not going to change our budget. Let's just stick with it. Okay. And you do it. Well, that's very related to the subject matter at hand. And that's an open door versus a closed door. So just different Different thing. they're not the same at all. Open doors, okay, but the bottom line is this. Don't use it as a soul-determining factor. Let it be an affirming factor to what you already suspect to be the will of God. Now, next week, we're going to look at two other of our uh, different uh, counterfeit voices. We're going to look at mystical experiences and distorted thinking. Particularly this issue of distorted thinking, many of us here are going to find very, very important because there are life and thinking patterns that we have based on our history, our upbringing, our personality, all kinds of factors that have been distorted in a way that will cause us to think the will of God is or is not and may be absolutely wrong. So, very important, we'll cover that next week. Let me close with this. There's no way that we're going to ever win the right to hear the voice of God. Do you understand that? I've said last week, and I'll repeat it again and again, I think the important thing to hear the voice of God is not so much even to understand the counterfeit voices that we look at now, or the guidelines for guidance that we're going to look at over the next weeks. As important as they may be, I've suggested, and we'll underscore it again, I think the best way to know the voice of God is to have a heart that says, God, when you show me your voice, I will obey. I think it's, it's like a muscle. You keep exercising the muscle, and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. But we don't earn the favor of God hearing us. It's Christ that has earned the favor for us by his work at Calvary's cross. You see, the reason that God speaks to us is because we are his family. That's the reason. He speaks to his beloved. Anybody in his family, even struggling members of his family even disobedient members of his family, but we are truly members of his family, he's speaking to us. The more we listen, the clearer it becomes. But the truth of it is, he speaks to us because we are family members, and the reason we're family members is because we have been brought into his family based on the work of Christ. And because of that, he speaks to us. Even as the reason that we are in the condition of sin is because we're in a family. We're in a family of Adam. And it's a sinful, broken family. And so we become the family of God and transfer from that family to his family. Oh, my goodness. Now he says, listen, because I'm speaking to you. That's why it's so important that we constantly, if you're here and you're a seeker outside the faith trying to figure out what does it mean to be a Christian? Go to the cross and look at his love. He died for people who are undeserving like you and me. And when we understand that, something happens and we stare at the cross and our heart becomes broken. And when the heart becomes broken, we say, I don't understand, but I love him for what he's done. Only to understand later that what happened was he bestowed his love on us that caused us to then indeed love him and it makes us love him all the more knowing we don't merit his love ever we don't merit coming into his family we don't merit hearing him speak but we're not going to have ears to hear until we come into the family so if you're here as a seeker you look at the cross and understand what he's done If you're a believer, but you're struggling because when you hear the voice of God, you say, I'm not sure I'm willing to follow. I'm just, I'm resistant. I don't care. I don't know. I don't understand, but I'm not. Then you need to do the same thing that I have to do, and that's go to the cross, stare at his love, understand what he's done. It's called the gospel, the good news, and that now he's indwelt us with his spirit. That's good news as well because it's the spirit that prompts us so that we can hear and understand what he's saying. So everything goes back to keep going to Christ, seeing him for who he is, loving him because of what he's done. And when you do that, the voice gets just a little louder. Exercise the muscle. It gets stronger and stronger. Voice gets clearer and clearer. Next week, we'll cover two more of those counterfeit voices. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for giving us a word that that shows us the very history of, of the problem that we're having, even as this man of God who obviously loved you but failed and came into great consequence because he didn't discern the spirit well. We want to do a better job, and that's why we're here to be equipped and to be trained and to understand and to follow. And Lord, some of us are going to admit that we're not following because we're not even yours, and we need to come into your family, and so... We're going to ask you now, Lord, would you show your love to us as we look at the cross and the work that you've done on our behalf? Would you bestow your goodness and your love on us so that we might love you? And Lord, for those of us that are your children, we're, many of us here are struggling hard to obey. We see that most everything you're telling us, we know it's in Scripture, and even that we're resisting. So would you break our hearts again by showing us your love and making us realize that he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And that's you, Lord, and we thank you that you do. So help us that struggle in our walk with you. I pray for next week that you would open our minds and understanding on these two last counterfeit voices. May we then be able to find the guidelines and find ourselves more clearly hearing your voice so thank you we pray all in the great name of Christ our Savior Amen
0: You've been listening to the Perimeter Church podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.